Bruins 4-2 at TD Garden. The Bruins have now won 10 straight. And this game went about as expected for the Rangers. Maybe even, honestly, a little bit better than expected. But it's certainly nothing um, to be happy about. But the key here is now, starting with the Montreal game this coming Thursday, so the Rangers have a, a lot of days off, now you can at least field a complete roster with 12 forwards and six defensemen. That's going to happen because Keandre Miller will be back at the very least. And then they, I believe, if let's say Tyler Mott is out, which could be the case, they, I believe they'll be allowed a call-up. I, I can't imagine they wouldn't be. So you're going to be fielding a, a full lineup. Maybe Ryan Lindgren returns. That remains to be seen. And again, I wouldn't push that. But I'm, I'm most expi- excited to get Lindgren and Miller back. And that will really just put players where they belong. Again, going with these five. It's not only just going with the five defensemen. It's who they are. That's the thing. I mean, Fox is Fox, right? But, I mean, Truba... I, Look, I'm not a big Truba fan, but I suppose, all right, we can make the argument that he's he's been playing more minutes than he should be, but he is a top four defenseman. But Mikola is a third-pair guy, Schneider is a third-pair guy, and Harper is a, a, is scratch, is really a healthy scratch, if we're being honest. So the three of them are playing way more than they should be. And really all five of them, it's just a bad, it's a bad mix. And I, I felt like they were running out of gas. By the end of this, the Rangers have played a lot lately. You got to remember there was a recent, uh, you know, Western Canadian trip. Like they, they, there's been a lot of hockey, and I think now is a really good break. Rangers are two five and one in the last eight. So, you know, ever since they came back from that trip, they haven't been very good. And look, and, and I'll be patient. I'll be patient, but. Patrick Kane coming in, it, it brings out the worst in Artemi Panarin, which is what I feared. And they're just trying to force these passes, and it's perimeter play, and that's just not the formula that's going to get you there. We'll see. They might have gone too far with the Kane acquisition. They, and again, I was, I was always skeptical. Excited, but skeptical. And look, maybe I'll look like a total moron when, you know, Patrick Kane does Patrick Kane things. And like I said, he needs some time. This is it's a lot. He was in Chicago for 16 seasons. He doesn't look quite right. Like just mentally, he kind of just looks a little bit disengaged, honestly, not all that invested. I mean, I, but I understand it. Obviously, it can't be easy. And look, it took time with Marty St. Louis. And Marty St. Louis as a Ranger, really, for me, there's very fond memories of the 2014 playoffs for many reasons. But beyond that, he really wasn't as advertised, and he, he, he dropped off, and he really wasn't good of, upon first coming here. And that might happen with Kane as well. I debate in my head whether I even think, you know, Kane is younger now than St. Louis was then, but St. Louis was coming off of, I mean, so Kane was last year also, but St. Louis was really, really dominant upon coming to the Rangers. It, it's, the compar- it's the closest comparison that I can find, and so... Don't be surprised. I'll put it this way. Don't be surprised if it's underwhelming results from Patrick Kane, at least through the rest of the regular season. And if that's, look, if he turns on come playoff time, then that's all that matters. But the Rangers need to get to the inside more. And that's that's the the fear that I have. You get Tarasenko and you get Kane. It's just, 
you've kind of shifted again to being really, really finesse. And, but let, let's give him some time. Like I've said, the line should be different. I would separate Panarin and Kane. I also understand if you want to give him some more time. Look, I'm not, I don't want to pull the plug. And when I say this, I'm not saying it is like, oh, change it forever. But let's see some different things. And I think that you should separate Panarin and Kane. Now, whether you want to put Kane on the Zabana deadline with Kreider, I'm okay with. Or if you want to give him a look with Heedle, I'm all right with that as well. But I, I think I would personally have Panarin with Tarasenko. I felt like that was meshing well, but not to the point of overdoing it. That This is, I mean, Panarin is a turnover machine yet again. And I felt like when the Rangers got Tarasenko, Panarin was playing good hockey. He was. He was doing the right things. And now he is totally found himself back in just doing the wrong things. And, and, and Patrick Kane does not look good in the first two games. But again, this is not alarming by any means. Look, that first power play unit has been bad too. I just don't know, like, does Patrick Kane have to be spoon-fed? It's like, oh, Patrick Kane's here, first power play unit. You have other really worthy candidates. I'm sorry, Patrick Kane might need to be in that second unit. I'm, I'm just, look, it's not going to happen. And that's what brings me to another thing that kind of, it's annoying. Like, John Cooper today benched Stamkos, Kucherov, and Point in the third period. Gallant, in a similar situation, would never do that. He would never, ever do that. You know, I'm not saying it's deserved now, but it's just Gallant needs to go away, break away from what, oh, like, this guy's a veteran. And I understand he's Patrick Kane, but look, you just brought in fucking Vlad Tarasenko. So there are a load of other options that you could go to. But again, we'll give it some time. We'll see what happens. But just looking through this, like, you could see issues down the road for sure. But don't want to overreact too much. The kids didn't really play. Specifically, Heedle and Kako did not play a whole lot today. Lafreniere, though, Lafreniere, considering everything, Lafreniere has been pretty good. Again, for me, the, the biggest concern with him is, like, I just don't think that he'll ever reach the, the marks that I think, obviously there was high expectations, but I don't think we look back and say, wow, like, Lafreniere absolutely, you know, turned it on in a big, big way. But we that's where patience needs to be, you know, a thing as well. Because, look, we've seen certain Rangers in recent past, not even number one picks, like Pavel Buchnevich. It takes some time. And Buchnevich is a really, really good player now. And even Filipito, who has quieted down. Filipito, like I've been saying, he's been quieted down lately, but even he has gotten better. So, look, two goals for Lafreniere today. That's a good thing. And a lot of his goals are not the prettiest, but I, I don't mind it. Lafreniere doesn't mind getting into the tough areas, and that's going to help you score goals. So let's let's talk about this game though. And, and, and you know, first Sturkin allows four goals. I can't really it's it's frustrating, but I can't really blame him all that much. I, I really I don't look at this game and blame I don't think it was an Igor thing. Boston deserved to win and they did. And it was their depth type players that got it done early, the Charlie Coils of the world. And then later on in the third, the uh, the top guys for Boston got it done. So in the first Thought the Rangers played a pretty good first period. Really, did. honestly, the first two periods were good for the Rangers. And at 11:32, Philip Heedle interferes with Connor Clifton, and there was a fight between Derek Forbert and Jimmy Vesey after Truba 
hit, I believe it was no was it Nosek? It might have been. And then, I think it was. And then Hathaway got in there. But all in all, it ends up in a Boston power play. The Rangers do kill it off. And then with less than two minutes left in the period, the Bruins score. It's Charlie Coyle, his 12th goal of the season from Tyler Bertuzzi making his Bruin debut and Trent Frederick. So Boston takes one thing lead and not great coverage by Heedle. Truba was kind of out of position. I think the Truba Schneider pair had been on, and you know, Good Goodrow maybe could have. I mean, again, they're mixing and matching a bunch with the eleven forwards, five defensemen. It's not good. It's just it's you're not going to do well with that. I, I, like I'd rather have like a shit, even if it means having a shitty type player. Like you just you need the twelve forward, six defensemen. So we go to the second period, and, and at the end of the first, and you know, give Panarin credit for this. Panarin did draw a couple of uh, power plays today. He slashed by Bertuzzi, but the Ranger power play was not good. And in fact, to make it worse, they, they allow a short-handed goal. Thomas Nosek scores his fifth goal of the season from Coyle, 30 seconds in to the period. And blame go, goes all the way around. But really, mostly to Patrick Kane, where Nosek gets behind Kane and makes a nice movement to circuit and scores. Kane just kind of staring around, not moving his feet. And that's what happens. I mean, before that, Fox, I mean, the, the puck, you know, a lot of turn, look, there's been a lot of giveaways by the Rangers of late. And Fox was kind of guilty of that as well. But there were others involved, possibly Panarin. But Boston scores a short on the goal. It's 2-0. Then Marshand interferes with Panarin at 5-11. And with two seconds left in the power play, it's the second unit that scores. And it's Lafreniere, his 12th goal of the season from Truba, who took a slap shot from, from up top, and Tarasenko. So Lafreniere cuts that lead to one. And that would be the score at the end of two. And I thought the Rangers, you know, not a bad second period, especially the second half of the second period. I thought that it got better as it went along. But in the third period, it was an absolute Boston Bruin third period. And the Rangers just simply ran out of gas. They simply ran out of gas. They're undermanned, and that's what it is. And in the third, it starts off with a power play for the Rangers. At 18 seconds, no sec trips Kreider, but the power play does not get it done. And I know, I know the Rangers got that one power play goal in the second unit, but the first unit needs a lot of work. A lot of work. If you're going to keep Kane there, look, could it be something special eventually? Sure. But it's, it needs a lot of practice. So now at 4-12, Adam Fox trips Jake DeBrusque. Ranger penalty kill gets it done. And they get it done again. It's right after Shruba interferes with Garnet Hathaway. And again, the penalty kill does a, does a nice job. So later on, though, at 12.56 of the third, it's Patrice Bergeron scoring his 23rd goal of the season from Marshan and Orlov. So it's 3-1 Boston at that point. And then, and I believe, I, yes, that was the, that Trocek line with Panarin and Kane defensively, it's awful. So if it's not going to do anything offensively, it's going to be a, 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 a total net negative. And they were on again, or at least, you know what? Some of that combination. There was a line change work. I know Kane was initially on, and then Tarasenko hopped on the ice on the fourth goal. Pasternak on, on a nice, easy goal. One-timer on a pass by Charlie McAvoy. Pasternak's 44th goal of the season for McAvoy and Krejci at 1640. Again, I really think that it's in their best interest to break up Panarin and Kane. Or at least... Yeah, no, break up Panarin. Yeah, I think that's what needs to be done. I think it will eventually be done, but I don't think it'll happen right away. 
So then we go to uh, then the Rangers score again, and it's Lafreniere again. His second goal of the game, 13th of the season from Mikola and Kako. So Rangers cut it to 4-2. They would lose by that score. Bruins win 4-2. It's the Bruins' 10th straight win of the season. And now the Rangers, look, they they very much settled into being in the third spot. Hey, maybe even wild card one if, if the Pittsburgh – which wouldn't really make that big of a difference, as I've said, because Carolina and the Devils are close between one and two anyway. So – there's not a big difference if the Rangers dropped off to wild card one. I don't think they will. The only reason why there's a chance is because they play Pittsburgh three more times. So that's the only reason why it would even be possible. But what the main point here is that the Rangers, the chances of them moving up in the standings in the Metropolitan Division are slim to none. So in that sense, it's really the biggest thing. It's not so much about winning and losing. It's about how they look and about blending together and finding that chemistry. They have time. They have time. They have about a month and a half to do it. But that's what I'm going to be looking for. And it all starts at Montreal Thursday night. You're going to get Keandre Miller back. And it'd be nice to get Lindgren back. We don't know. It'd be nice to get Tyler Mott back. If you can get the, all them back, then you're really looking at a situation where, okay, this is what we got right here. This is the team moving forward, barring injury. However, that might not happen. But at the very least, you will likely have 12 forwards and six defensemen. The fact that I'm even questioning it just shows how tight the Rangers are against the cap. But I, I better judgment will be had then. And within that stretch, eventually, though, there will be a lot of interesting games against playoff-type teams. There's a home-and-home home against Carolina. Like I said, a lot of games against Pittsburgh. So the Rangers will definitely be tested. For sure. Again, Rangers, the undermanned Rangers, depleted. They lose to the Boston Bruins by a score of 42.